Excellent. Sweet sounds. Sweet sounds. Good to, good to hear the sounds of fellowship this morning. If you're new here and you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Michael, lead pastor here at Summit. Excited about today and what God's already doing in our midst and His presence this morning. I, I heard a story uh, this week about this 80-year-old woman and, woman, and um, the, somebody near her was just very interested in, in her life because at 80 years old, she'd been married four times. Uh, yeah, her first husband uh, was, was a banker. Her second husband was a clown. Uh, her third husband was a preacher, and her fourth husband was an undertaker. And so this person just curious, you know, uh, your, your choices of spouses, they're, they're so diverse. Is there any explanation for that? She said, you bet there is. One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. <laughs> oh, dear, yeah. Just, just had to get that one off my chest today. So uh, we are in a series called Clearer Vision for 2019. As I sat down to study, what I really thought I would do is, is share with you my, my top prayers for Summit Church. We may get to those um, before we're done this morning. We'll see how God directs and, and leads. Uh, but there's just this one theme in prayer that's been pressing in on me as of recent days. And that has to do with the manifest presence of God. Manifest presence of God. God truly being present with us. Now, just a question for you here. Uh, would you say God is with us here this morning? Okay, yeah. And, and, and some of you aren't sure, but, but, but many of you with confidence would say, yes, God is here. And you might even point to one of the promises in the scriptures, for example, Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So we'd say, yeah, we have three right here. So according to that promise, God is here. Yeah. But then I have to ask you this. So when you're alone... Is God with you? Yes, he is. Yes, he is with you. God is with us. We have his promises to stand on. Yet it seems to me that God wants to show himself in far more tangible ways than we may be currently experiencing or even desiring or expecting. And my hope for the morning is that God will raise together our level of expectation because God truly created us to do life and to do fellowship and to do all we do in his presence. And I want you to consider the first relationship of all. Now, before I move on, I just have to direct you to one important thing this morning. Next week, we have a guest speaker. Does anybody know his name? Yeah, Todd Burpo, right? Yeah, and uh, it's not his story, but God gave him the story through his son. Does anybody know his son's name? Colton, good job, yes. Okay, and uh, so next week, well, so uh, what's the name of Todd's book in the movie? 
Heaven is for real. He's going to be here. Uh, he's one of my kids from youth group days, and he is looking forward to sharing with you his message on shalom, which is the fullness of God. So expect great things. As he's preparing to teach you on fullness, uh, part of that is healing in every way, and he's going to issue an opportunity for people who need fullness of healing in any direction. But what's interesting is tomorrow he's meeting with a surgeon because he's been battling with horrible kidney stones for the last six weeks, all right? And so what does this mean tomorrow? And I need you, will you please pray for Todd and Sonia as they prepare? Would you do that? Can you get ready? Yeah, and let's expect God to break through and, and do incredible, incredible things. Yeah, next week. Awesome. He's excited. He's a good friend, and we look forward to having time with him. All right, so the manifest presence of God. God desires us to do life and to do fellowship in his presence. Now, as we begin to explore, explore this a little bit, I want you to go back to the very first relationship in the Bible where, where God created man. He placed man in a garden, and when he placed man in the garden, where did God live? Did he live in some far-off place, like maybe heaven? Hmm. Only to drop in maybe on occasion? Well, let's look at the scripture. It's, it's in Genesis chapter 3, where the word of God says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, doesn't that give you the impression that God lived where Adam and Eve lived? I mean, physically, that like, almost like they hung out together? I believe this is the desire of God. Now, we have this big word in theology. It's the word omnipresent. It's, it, it's, it's a word that, that helps us to identify and understand one aspect, a particular aspect of the nature of God that, unlike you and me, he is not limited to any one space at any one time, that he is everywhere. God is everywhere. Okay, so we think about these promises, God being with us, yet we know omnipresent, he's everywhere. And the thought of God being everywhere might be great conceptually, something for us to get excited about, but what we're talking about this morning goes way beyond mere concept or mere theory or, or maybe the little verse you learned back in Sunday school or Awana or something like this. Adam and Eve were so in proximity with the living God that they literally could recognize his coming and going. So when Adam worked, God was right there with him. When Adam rested, God was right there with him. When God was given that task of, of naming all the animals, there was God right there with him. I, I can almost imagine it. You know, Adam would give an animal a name, and, and God would say, Wow, good job, Adam. You're a really good namer. <laughs> I mean, you know, we might need to work on the lump sucker and wonder puss and platypus a bit, but otherwise, not too bad, Adam. You're a good namer. God and Adam doing life together, walking together. Life is 
good for mankind. This is the place of everything that is perfect, everything that is good, everything that is wonderful. But if you know the story, uh, tragedy struck right there in the garden. Mankind given an abundance of food. They were all vegetarians back then. Now, I know that might not sound like a blessing to some of you, but it really was a blessing. They could eat of all the trees and, and, and all, of, uh, all of the plants in creation, save one. I mean, the Bible says the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can't eat from that tree, God said. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And let's be honest. I mean, just like you and me. I mean, if you tell us what not to do, what are we going to do? We're going to do it, right? And and guess what they did? They did it, and when they did, this takes us to chapter 3, where we read, they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Hiding from God. Why do we hide? Why would we hide from God? God didn't leave mankind. Mankind left God. It's bad news. Mankind literally turning his back on everything, walking away from anything and everything that ever was and ever will be good. And then we wonder why things in the world are such a mess. Right? Want to blame it on Washington? But the truth is, it's, it's, it's much bigger than that. And all through history, people have shaken their fists at God, and it must be his fault. How can he be a loving God and allow this stuff to go on? Which leads us to some really good news. Really good news. God didn't give up. Is anybody glad that God didn't give up on you this morning? Huh? Yeah. I'm glad he didn't give up on me. Is anybody glad that God didn't give up on your marriage? Is anybody glad that God didn't give up on your kids? Is, God, is anybody glad that God's not giving up today? Are you glad? I'm glad. And that's really good news. He created mankind to do life with mankind. Not to be separated, but to do life with mankind. And every once in a while, as we move forward in the book of Genesis, in in the beginning, book of beginnings, we find somebody's getting it. If you go to chapter 5, you read the words, Enoch walked with God. If you go to chapter 6, you find Noah walked with God. God wasn't hiding from mankind. Mankind was hiding from him. And the simple truth is that most People did not want to be with God. They didn't want who they were to be exposed, so they hid. They hid, right? God didn't give up. So now he moves to the next part of his plan. And as he does this, please know, he's not making this up as he goes along. This is all part of God's effort to restore relationship with people. So here we go. We're, we're getting into this. And I imagine him sharing the next phase of his plan with his angels. He's like, watch this. I'm going to create a new people. We're going to give them the name Israel. I'm going to teach them to so be with me. And it's going to be so beautiful and so attractive that everyone in the world will want to be with me. And then the Bible records how God was with Abraham. God was with Abraham's son, Isaac. God was with Isaac's son, Jacob. And and we could go on and on. 
but very limited cases. And God's not going to be satisfied with this because there's just too many people he wants to be with and too many people he wants to love. He wants to be with all people. So one day he gave Moses a command and he said this. This is in Exodus 25. He said, have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. God says, I'm moving into their neighborhood by virtue of this sanctuary. Are you picking up on God's heart at all today? Are, are you seeing what's going on here? On and on this, this theme goes, but it's all pointing to something greater. Something greater. Something greater. Something greater. And then we get to this incredible moment in history where this baby this hope of mankind is, is born in a manger. God described this child 600 years previous. On the night of his birth, it was recognized that this is who he is when the, God said by his own word, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him what? Which means what? God with us. Wow, at the beginning of time, as we know it, God walked with the man in the garden. All through history, we see evidence that while man is trying to hide, God wants to be with his people. He even went to the point of paying the highest price by sacrificing his own son, the sacrificial lamb, as the way to restore relationship, to restore what has been broken. He assured us of his presence in his promises. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And then, finally, we come to the end of all times and we get a glimpse of our future. And what does God say in his word, Revelation 21? Watch this. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. Back in the neighborhood. See it? But he wants to emphasize it three times. Dwelling of God will be with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Is anybody glad for that moment? Wow. I know I am. So from the beginning of time to its end, God's desire has been to be with us. From the beginning of time to its end, God's desire is to be with you and you with him and even to enjoy him along the way. Yeah. I appreciated Patty's testimony. The rest of you, anybody appreciate that? Thank you. Thank you for your testimony. Yeah. And like Patty, I grew up going to church. And, and for us, mass was called a holy obligation. A holy day of obligation. To miss Mass would have been a, a cardinal sin. And for Mass to have counted, you had to be there for two things. The reading of the Gospel and the taking of the Eucharist. If you missed either of those two things, you might as well stay home because you had an appointment with the priest to get right with God. Shame on you. You missed church. Okay? Has anybody ever felt shame for missing church around here? Yeah, really? I don't think we do any shaming around here, right? And we want you to be here because you want to be here and you're free to be here. But no shame in that. Shame. And then I came to faith and was called into ministry. And when I was studying for, for ministry, we were told that our church gatherings 
We're to be about the sermon. Every aspect of the service was to point to the preaching of the word. Now, please, 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 please do not take this wrong. Yes, the word of God, we must hold it in the highest value. It's through the preaching of word by which people are saved. However, isn't it really about something greater? Isn't it all pointing to something greater? Isn't it all pointing to God, to point people to God? Isn't it about relationship with God? Isn't it about us learning and walking in the very presence of God? I mean, even the Westminster Confession, an attempt to define who we are, says man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Doesn't that sound like presence to you? Does it sound like, and, and, and make sure you're sitting in your seat and hearing that sermon every Sunday, man's chief end. No, I don't see that there. All right, let's press in on this a bit. How y'all doing? You look good. Yeah, you do. Love y'all. So it's been said of the early church. We're talking about the book of Acts, the start of the church after, after Jesus uh, ascended into heaven and, and sent the Holy Spirit. It's been said that if at any point the Holy Spirit had been removed, 95% of their activities would have immediately ceased. And there's evidence to support that. I mean, literally, when they tried to do it on their own, they failed. So all of a sudden, they're put in a place of waiting for the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came that anything really happened. Now, let's contrast this. Comparison, right? It's been said that if the Holy Spirit were removed today, 95% of what churches do would carry on without interruption. Now, I need you to think about this and and take it seriously. I mean, this is pretty tragic right here. And I have a hunch that these these same churches would be still saying, oh, but it says where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Yet it seems to me that there's a possibility that he could be no further away. Hmm. If we're not intentional about practicing God's presence, really, we may just be presuming upon it. Did you know there's a biblical name for this? It's, it's over in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 21. It was given to a child in one of Israel's darkest days to a priest, a granddad. That's important because of what I'm going to say in a few minutes. A granddad. His name was Levi. Israel had been enjoying the presence of God. We talked about this. But Eli had a way of reducing it to nothing more than a good luck charm. And the result, God pulled up stakes. He he moved on. God's glory was gone. And only one person seemed to realize what was happening. It was the priest's daughter-in-law. She's, she will die in childbirth, and in her dying breath, she's going to give this child his name, realizing what's going on here. And perhaps this is a name that even today should be written across the doors, the entries of, of many churches. 
What is that name? It's the name Ichabod. What does Ichabod mean? It means, where is the glory, which in that language literally means God's glory is no longer here. God's glory has departed. Now, if your brain went directly to Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, you would be absolutely correct. Because old Ichabod Crane, like many churches today, represents life void of the Spirit of God. But praise be to God, that was not the end of his story. There was a transformation, right? A divine intervention. And so this takes us right back to the book of Revelation. It's a prophecy. It's a prophecy for all time. It's a tool given to churches so that we will have kind of a, 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 a due north to make sure we're going the right direction, okay? And in this particular case, God speaks to what we're talking about today when he says this. This is Revelation 2. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among them. That's presence. The seven golden lampstands, that's churches that he's talking to, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work. What a good church, right? I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my namesake and have not grown weary. And all of us say, wow, what a good church, right? But read on. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You've forgotten your first love. Relationship with God. He goes on. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand. What does that mean? It means remove you from my presence. It's consistent here. We're saying it. Remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. That's about witchcraft. And then he concludes, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I want to eat from that tree. <laughs> I want to eat from that tree. Some of you want to eat from that tree. I want to eat from that tree. Yeah, yeah I'm ready. I'm ready for that. That's my hope. But think about this. To remove this lampstand. Ichabod. Really. Where is the glory? The glory has departed. These churches are going on business as usual. Still holding on to that promise. Two or three. We're still two or three. God said he's there in the midst of us. Yet they've forsaken their first love. Something else got priority and I certainly cannot come up with a complete list of what else gets priority but I, I certainly took time to think through this a little bit I mean maybe it becomes all about who has the right seminary training 
Maybe it's about how much scripture you know, your knowledge of the Bible. Let's, let's just make that our God in the church. Make sure you, you know, make sure you get it all there and, and forget the focus on him and relationship. I mean, maybe it's some kind of kindness or, or social justice. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's liturgy. Maybe it's tradition. Maybe I'm a good American. Good Americans go to church. That's what we do. Uh, are you okay? This is, this is where my brain's going. I mean, nobody gave me this. I mean, you, you let your brain take you and let God speak to your heart. It might be persecution. It might be, man, tight programming, kids' ministry. And right there, we have this call. May we always remember God's desire is to be with us and us with him. And may we always remember that so many things can take Priority can take priority. So in his book, uh, Glory in the House, Jack Hayford shares how when he became dean at a seminary in L.A., he also agreed to pastor this small church near, nearby. And, and, and uh, he was also asked, yeah, he was asked to pastor the small church nearby. He was faithful to do that. In fact, so much so that, that he prayed and prayed for that church. Every Saturday, he would prepare for Sunday by praying over every one of the seats. Then every Sunday, he would stand on the porch waiting for folks to come, and he'd watch as car after car would drive right by his little church to get to a much larger church just down the street. And then one Saturday... As he was praying, he said that he heard God speak very clearly to him. Praying for those seats, God said simply this, My glory will be in this house. And as Hayford tells that story, the very next day, there were 100 additional people there for no explainable reason other than what God had told him the day before. My glory shall be in this house. And from that moment on, the, the growth was compounding. In fact, it didn't stop. And, and after many, many years, I'm mean, still baptizing every Saturday, Sunday night, every, every Wednesday night. And today, they own all all the property of that much larger church and much, much more, okay? That other church moved on and did well, but isn't that an amazing story? Okay, well, that's my mentor, so let's look at somebody else here. Let's look at Dwight Moody, one of the greats of American church history, and I want you to hear his own words. These are his words now. He says this, I was crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit, Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience for me to name. Paul had an experience of which he never spoke for 14 years. I can only say, watch this, that God revealed himself to me. And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. Too much, Lord, too much. (laughs) Yeah. He says, I went on preaching again. The sermons were no different. I did not present any new truths, and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience. If he should give me all the world, it would be as small as dust 
in the balance. And so the words emphasize there, he revealed himself to me. It's all about his presence. Oh, may he be our priority and let everything else point to that. Let's make that our priority. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So just some practical ways for you to take this home with you today and even right now. Just desire his presence. Your presence, Lord. Your presence. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your presence, Lord, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Yeah, real, real heartfelt prayers. So some things to think about, and you let God lead you accordingly. I would encourage you to take practice taking five-minute vacations in your day, whatever you're doing, just to pause and thank God for his presence with you. Ask him to manifest himself in a tangible way. When you're alone in the car, this is one of my favorites. I love getting in the car and driving away. If I'm by myself, I shut the radio off, right? And I say, Lord, take a seat. Let's spend this time together practicing his presence. That's mine. Make his presence the priority of, of, your, of your prayer times. Not getting through your shopping list, but being with him, the source of all things. Yeah. When you're reading God's word, invite his presence and ask him to give you ears to hear his voice. Ask him to speak. And rather than trying to get something out of the word, desire him and that he would show himself to you in very real ways. And I'm sure there's more, but regarding our gatherings, pray for our worship gatherings. And, and instead of hoping to maybe be grabbed by a sermon or a song or, or the fellowship or, or to do your part, and I am so grateful for your faithfulness and everybody doing your part and making this work, and glory to God for that. But make it your prayer that God reveal himself through his divine presence. And now I need you to hear this statement that captured me when I was newly called into ministry. Listen to it. Because if we're not careful, our faith experience might just become our children's tradition. And if our faith experience becomes our children's tradition, then it's very likely that it will become our grandchildren's nuisance. We do not need another form of religion or duty. We need him. We need him. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. I won defense my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Yeah. All right. God's telling me not to share my top prayers with you. I don't know what, when I'm going to share those, but I feel like God has spoken what he needs to say here this morning. So we need to wrap this up today. I'll share those with you if you, if you ask me. 
They're out my heart. I just can tell you what they are because I'm praying them diligently. Okay? This is our priority. James 1.17, friends. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So how much of the things that are not good and perfect are from above? <laughs> None of them. How much of what is good and perfect is from somewhere else? Every good and perfect gift is from above. From the God of heavenly lights who will not change like shifting shadows. Everything in life changes. Everything in life disappoints eventually. Everything in life goes away eventually. Everything changes eventually, but God is the one constant, and everything, every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of heavenly lights who doesn't change like the shifting shadows. Man, I'm so excited about this moon tonight, the blood moon. I hope the sky's clear. I want to see it. I had to open my blinds early because there was this maroon glow that captured me. Did anybody see that? You, wow, yeah. But what do all these blood moons mean? A full moon in January, two in one month. What does all this mean? It's going to be fascinating. Looking forward to it. Yeah, okay. But David, he got this business of presence. Listen to his prayer. I might have misstated. Were there two full moons this month? Will this be? Okay, that's, that's the blood moon. Yeah, okay, good, thank you. I just want to make sure. David got this right. Listen to what he prayed. One thing. One thing. How many things? One thing. I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, did it say all the days of my eternity? It said all the days of my life. To dwell in the present. He's talking about now. That's the one thing. Yeah. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And that's the call. That's our vision. That's all eyes on Jesus. The one desire is to be with him. Let's pause in his presence. My one desire, Lord. My one desire. To know you fully. Not just to state I know you because I was taught it by a Bible verse that I memorized. Yeah, that has incredible value. Thank you for your promises. But let me not hold that in priority to truly walking with you. Even in that song, in the old song in the garden, he walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Somebody got it. And that's our desire too. Thank you, Lord, for the call today. Now, let each one Consider our place before you. And my friends, every Sunday we just ask two questions in his presence. Number one, 
What is God's Spirit saying to you today? Not what did Michael Descoli say. What is God's Spirit saying to you? And then number two, how will you then respond to what he's saying? Keep speaking, Lord. Keep speaking. Consider these things as we continue our worship.